Welcome, Swami Punachantanya. I hope I pronounce it well. Yes. Um, welcome here. Um, I, I, my name is Dimf Beek, and um, I was so curious once I uh, experienced one meditation of you, and I read your book, that I'm really happy and grateful to have you here. Um, I followed two of your courses, um, and maybe you can explain a little bit about yourself, uh, who you are, um, and what you've done sitting here now. Um, well, to try to put it in a nutshell, mm -hmm. um, I was born and brought up in the Netherlands, uh, completed my education here, university, everything. But even at a younger, uh, younger age, I had a keen interest to do something with my life to help other people. So, uh, you know, I remember I had a friend who wanted to be a professional soccer player. Uh, another person just wanted to get filthy rich. Mm -hmm. um, when they used to ask me, I said, well, I don't know exactly yet what I want to become or what I want to do with my life. But I would like to do something with which I can help people. And I was looking for some way to go about that. Um, at the same time, I had a very keen interest in the traditions of the East, mm -hmm. so that uh, now you could say interest in spirituality, uh, you know, some of the bigger questions that, okay, mm -hmm. what is my purpose? Why am I here? Uh, who am I? I'm not just the body. And also to explore that more, you know, like what, what, is, what is our mind, how to master your mind? Because even when I was young, you know, everybody has their fair share of challenges, mm -hmm. but then how do you effectively deal with that? You know? yeah. and, and I grew up with, with movies that most of us know, like you know, The Karate Kid, Star Wars. Uh, my dad was crazy about Star Wars. But it also has that dimension where you have a, a, like a spiritual master who then teaches someone how to master their mind. Yeah. And then you see they face all kinds of challenges and yet they come out victorious or they survive. And that was something that really st stuck with me even at that age. Because I noticed that there were people who may be considered very successful, but then unless you master this aspect of your life as well, there is no guarantee that you will be happy, that you will yeah. be peaceful, that you can actually enjoy what you have. Mm -hmm. um, and I grew up with uh, a very modest upbringing. We didn't have much money. Sometimes it was a challenge also. And at the same time, I had friends who had beautiful big houses, you know, they had uh, so many things that, that you may want to have, mm -hmm. but that didn't necessarily mean that they were more happy or, uh, you know, were able to enjoy it as much. So as I grew up, I practiced different martial arts um, because it had something connected to that Eastern tradition as well. But then I discovered that uh, the depth I was really looking for that aspect of, of meditation, of knowing how the mind works, uh, it was too limited there. So I, I kept on searching. And at the age of 16, I met my spiritual master, mm -hmm. um, the founder of the Art of Living Foundation, uh, Sri Sri Ravi Shankar. And he came to the Netherlands in Amsterdam. He gave a public discourse on human values and spirituality. And through my mom, I, we got to know about this. Uh, a friend of hers told her, and she asked me and my brother, I was 16 at that time. Uh, she asked that, you know, there is a spiritual master coming from India to give a discourse. I'm planning to go. Would you like to come along? Mm. And both of us were quite excited. We said, yes, you know, we would love to go. And I was thinking, you know, what, what would a spiritual master look like? I had never met one. And he definitely, uh, I would say, matched my uh, expectations or maybe even uh, outdid them because 
He had the white robes, long hair, beard, you know, like a proper master. But what really stuck with me is that his language was very simple. Uh, it was from the heart, but he was able to communicate very profound truths, very profound yeah. wisdom. And he also conducted a guided meditation there, which felt like two, three minutes, but 25 minutes went by like that. Yeah. So for me, it, that was like the winning combination. I, I found someone who could finally uh, really teach me mm. about meditation, about how the mind works, about life, um, who had mastered it himself and who was able to communicate it. You know, because yeah. some people, like we've, we've known that, even you may have a, an expert in any field or a professor in a university and they may be so knowledgeable or they may be so successful themselves, but then to be able to transfer that, to communicate it and to imbibe the same in other people is a different skill altogether. Yeah. You know? So how to communicate it, how to transfer it. And because you come from a corporate background, I'm sure you, you, you know this challenge. You may, someone, you may know someone who is, who is very good at what they do, but if they cannot teach others, then it stops there. And yeah. the same way you may have someone who is extremely successful, but if he cannot teach others, then that's not going to add any value to the company. So yeah. here I found someone who, for me, had all these things that I was looking for. And that led me to start exploring some of the programs that his organization offered, The Art of Living. So um, I did a course learning more about breathing techniques, mm -hmm. about breath work. I learned more about meditation, a little bit about yoga. Uh, studied some of his uh, discourses on some of these ancient yogic scriptures about how the mind works, how to manage it. And then over a period of a few years, I became so enthusiastic. And after experimenting also with these things that I said, you know, this is something so useful. I would like to also teach this, you know, become a trainer for some of these programs, yeah. which I did. And by the time I finished my studies, I had already started organizing some of these programs. I saw that Others benefited equally. Uh, it was not just me who felt, oh, this is a useful tool to deal with your stress or increase your focus or energy level or whatever it may be. So then I thought, okay, this is nice. This is interesting, but I want to go deeper. So I went to India for one or two years where I had an opportunity to go even further into you know, understanding these ancient practices, this ancient wisdom. And at the same time, because I wanted to contribute, as I said, and there are so many um, social initiatives, service projects, mm -hmm. humanitarian projects that the organization runs. So I thought, okay, I can also volunteer. Mm -hmm. So let me go and, and see what it's like to be a volunteer full-time, not yeah. just a little bit in the weekend. Yeah. So I joined some of the projects. I got more and more responsibilities. And then after two years, I decided that this is how I would like to live my life. You know, Instead of going back to the Netherlands and getting a normal job again and maybe having a little time in the weekends to to contribute mm -hmm. i said well i don't need much for myself i'm i'm perfectly happy living like this and um, apparently he also thought it was a good idea because he didn't tell me to go back uh, and then after a few years more he uh, he gave me one more opportunity where he also um, gave me the the chance to be initiated as one of his you can say direct uh, students or disciples mm -hmm. uh, as a monk of the Vedic, the ancient Indian tradition, as a Swami. So yeah. a Swami is a title, it's yeah. not really a name. But then um, with that comes this ancient practice that when someone is ready to dedicate their life to, to serve the society, to be useful, when you say, I don't need much for myself, mm -hmm. 
but I would like to now live uh, not just for myself, but for others, then you also get a new name. So Purna Chaitanya is the name that he has given me. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a Sanskrit name, but it has a very beautiful meaning. It has a beautiful meaning. Yeah, yeah. It, it means, uh, Purna means that which is complete and Chaitanya means consciousness. Yeah. So it means one whose consciousness is complete or is fully blossomed, yeah. which of course is, is beautiful. Um, so before that I was Alexander and mm-hmm. then I became Swami Purna Chaitanya. But uh, how did your friends react? <laughs> well, of course, it was uh, they, they'd seen me over the years. I was already in many ways living like that. Mm-hmm. I was living out of a suitcase. They know I was so interested in these traditions. I had learned more about some of the rituals, the ceremonies. Um, and yeah, of course, for me, it was like a, a confirmation that this path that I started to walk and where I felt so at home, uh, that this is really for me. Yeah. Because it's it's a lifelong commitment. So it's something that you say, okay, this is what I want to do with my life. And uh, at the same time, it's a great honor because it also means you represent this ancient tradition. Uh, you can represent him in that aspect as well because yeah. he's also a spiritual leader to so many millions of people around the world. You know, not just a humanitarian uh, uh, leader. And yeah, and then I was the, the first until now only Western Swami to be initiated by him. So that also, I took it as a big uh, compliment and, yeah, and a so privilege. You, had, you, you worked a lot in India. Yeah, in India and neighboring countries. Yeah. And last few years also more in Africa. Yeah. Uh, and in between, of course, in Europe or Middle East, Far East. But, uh, but it's, it's been a, a fascinating journey because we have so many projects ranging from rural development to disaster relief, you know, mm. uh, working for the environment, sustainable agriculture, prisoner rehabilitation. Uh, we work with corporates, governments, you name it, you know, women yeah. empowerment. So there's so much to do, so much to learn, but it also shows how the core of this knowledge is so relevant to everybody yeah. you know, across the world, whether it's a, it's a war-torn area or uh, you know, government officials or, or housewives or students. It's, it's, yeah, it's important to everybody, actually. Yeah, because in the end, and that is what I realized quite early on and that, that continues to amaze me, if you really look at life, and of course in my book that's also one of the central themes, you, you've read it, Mm-mm. that it is the quality of our mind that to a great extent determines the quality of our life. Yeah. Because like we said, you can have everything, but if you're anxious or you're depressed or you're worried or you're upset, then you cannot enjoy it. Yeah. And, and that reflects in our relationships, but it's also the quality of our work, uh, our perception, observation, expression, our communication, mm-hmm. you know, your, your belongingness or connection with the people around you, that sense of empathy, your ethics, everything yeah. is influenced everything by it. Everything is yeah. in energy. So, so we are, as you said, um, we're all energy in a body. And um, if you're happy, um, people can feel and sense you're happy. And if you're unhappy, people feel and sense it well. Yeah, I mean, I think we've all experienced it. If someone yeah. in your office is stressed yeah. or at home is, is not well or is stressed, somewhere it affects you too. Yeah. So from a, an energy point or from an energy perspective, what do you see in the current world or in businesses? What is, what is coming to you if you talk to a lot of people? Well, I think especially... Um, in the last few years and with during the pandemic even more so, I've seen there is a, a drastic, uh, I will not say change, but an increase mm-hmm. in 
when it comes to the awareness in in businesses, in companies, in corporates, for the need to also address this vertical or this dimension of life, where if we are only focused on productivity uh, or output mm-hmm. or all these things, then somewhere we miss the boat because what you see is when people are stressed, when they're not peaceful, when they're not happy, mm-hmm. then it not only affects their productivity, you know, as we all know, when, when, you're, when you feel good or yeah. when your energy level is high, you can do the same thing in half an hour that on a day where you're not feeling so good, it may take you two hours or even more. Yeah. You know? like we've all had those crazy productive days where you jump out of your bed and you say, okay, yes, I'm fresh. Let's get something done. And you get so many things done even in the first half of your day that you feel like, oh, even if I don't do anything else, my day is already a success. And sometimes you keep looking at the same things on your to-do list for days on end. Mm. And it's not even that you don't have the ener- the time for it or the energy, but there is this thing that, oh, you know, I don't know how will I manage, or you keep getting distracted or you're worrying about other things or just this whole idea, I have to do all those things weighs yeah. on you. Yeah. So it's your productivity, but also I think more and more what uh, companies also are realizing is that when people, when we talk about employees or mm-hmm. when people don't feel a sense of belongingness, when they don't feel that they're part of something bigger yeah. and that's something personal, like it's it's not just that I'm part of something, but that's also that's also me or that's also mine. Yeah. Then being what happens proud, is... Eh? Being yeah. proud of your company, so, of your job. Yeah, like in the ancient, I mean, not even ancient, <laughs> but not too long ago, in older days, earlier days, many times what used to happen is if you find a nice company or you mm. work for someone and you're happy there, you stay there for the rest of your life and you yeah. retire there. Yeah. And in a way, there's a great uh, sense of assurance because the company also knows that this person is not going anywhere yeah. as long as we keep them happy. And that person also knows that unless I do something crazy, they're not going to kick me out. Yeah. So there's a lot of security. But then what happens, people, sometimes if you did your job well, you you feel part of it and you feel this is my company. Yeah. You know, I remember like I had a, a member in the family who worked for Philips. Mm-hmm. And he, he was like, this is my company. You know, he, was, he would be happy if he sees a Philips product in someone's house. Yeah. Almost like he made it, yeah, you know, even exactly. though he was just in some department doing something. Yeah. But that sense of ownership and that sense of belongingness. And then what happens when that is there? So it doesn't need to be a family business. It can be a bigger business also. Yeah. But when you say, yes, that is there, then sometimes if you have to go that extra mile, you don't mind. You say, okay, let me stay another half an hour, but make sure it gets done properly. Yeah. Or something becomes a success, you feel, oh, this is also my success. You take pride in that. Yeah. And that, of course, leads to a very different mindset than when someone says, okay, I have to do my hours. Anyway, only half an hour is left. I cannot get this done in half an hour. Okay, let me just have a cup of coffee, loiter mm-hmm. around a bit so that mm-hmm. I finish my time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm going to get paid and then maybe I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. You know? And then you see that lack of accountability. Yeah. Uh, if it becomes even worse, then that's also sometimes where the, the unethical aspect comes in. Because if we look at, for example, corruption or you know people uh, misusing resources of the company yeah. or, or yeah. even stealing things, to yeah. put a very extreme. So that only happens when you don't feel a sense of belongingness because you don't uh, steal something from your own pocket. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not going to steal from your brother. No. I mean... Most people, (laughs) you know, unless there is really no sense of belongingness there also. So we see now this is a challenge because we're living in a society where things are changing so rapidly that 
a company also is not sure how long people are going to stay with them. Yeah. So you need to have a backup plan because this person made then the resignation anytime. Mm -hmm. And then you may have just a month to find someone new, if mm -hmm. at all. And you cannot put a random person, especially if they're in a higher position. Mm -hmm. At the same time, even the person is not sure because the company also nowadays can tell you that, okay, no, sorry, we no longer need you. And mm -hmm. they may give you one month notice, few months notice, max. Mm -mm. But so people are also continuously looking, okay, what are my options? Yeah. Is there a better option? Okay, let me go there. So there's yeah. a lot of insecurity and this is harmful for the company, yeah. you know, and for both actually, because even for people, it's more stressful. Mm -hmm. So we've had companies come to us also where we've done programs for them to help increase that sense of belongingness. And you see a drastic shift in not just the overall attitude in the workplace, mm -hmm but also the productivity, yeah. the, the sense of accountability. And one of the key things that we focus on there is uh, some of the, the breathing techniques also, some meditation, some understanding of how the mind works. Because if you notice when, when we are uh, at peace, when you feel comfortable, when your energy level is high, naturally you feel much more connected to the people around you and yeah. to yourself. Yeah. In the same way, when someone is stressed, it's natural that they don't feel connected because you're focused on you because you don't feel good and you mm -hmm. want to get rid of it. So on the street, you know, sometimes I give this example. If someone is walking, you have a nice day, uh, you feel good. Someone may fall down in front of you and without thinking, mm -hmm. you will pick up this person and you will ask them, are you okay? You know? mm -hmm. It happens naturally. You don't even have to think, oh, should I pick them up? Should I do something kind? No, mm -hmm. that happens naturally. But if the same person is already stressed out because they're late for a meeting, their boss is shouting on them or whatever, their girlfriend broke up with them or their whole life is a mess, hmm. then if someone falls down in front of you, he may jump over there. He may even shout at them saying that, hey, can't you see where I'm walking mm -mm. You know, or what are you doing? Yeah. And this is what we see many times, unfortunately, nowadays yeah. that people are so stressed that they get cut off yeah. from the people around them. It's not healthy for that person not for the environment also, but that is when they make more mistakes. That is when they are less accountable. Yes. And that is where uh, many of these basic values that are also essential for a healthy work environment and mm -hmm. for productivity and all of these things, they start deteriorating. Yes. So when we've seen that when you focus on that and you give people some of the tools to manage their mind, their emotions, to increase their energy level yeah. and a little bit of insight in how life works, how the mind works, that it can bring a drastic change yeah. in how they see themselves, their relationship to the work, the workplace, yeah. the people they work with. And it's not just the, the top management because I remember, maybe if I can add one more experience, mm -hmm. that uh, in India, I was invited to, uh, to do a a small training for the, the top management of the company. And it was a company that produces uh, different parts in the automobile industry, mm. like for cars. And the CEO, the head of the company, he, he had met me, done a program with me. So he said, no, it would be lovely if you can teach some of these things to my management as well. But then when we had a discussion, I said, you know, but instead of only addressing them, it would be nice if we can also do something with the workers. And yeah. he said, yes, actually, I was thinking that I would also love to do that, but we would need a different format because they're a very different uh, background. You know, their, their education may be different. Their, their whole uh, lifestyle is different. Mm -hmm. So we'll have to, we cannot put them both together. We'll mm -hmm. have to tailor make it to those groups. I said, we can do that, no problem. Yeah. 
So with the, the management, I did the proper training, you know, mm-hmm. the usual flavor. And then with these other guys, I thought, and girls, ladies, I thought, okay, let's do something different. So it was much more informal. It was more interactive in a way. And then, you know, because you have to talk about basics. But then we came down to a point and I told them, I said, listen, just think of it this way. How many hours a day do you spend here in the factory, mm-hmm. in the, on the plant? And they said, well, eight hours, some people, 10 hours. I said, okay. And how many hours in a day do you sleep? So that's another six, seven, eight hours. Yeah. And then they have some travel and their family time. I said, so if you leave out your sleep, then more than half of your life for those 20, 30, 40, 50 years that you may be working here, more than half of your life you're spending here. Yeah. I said, you're working with what? 10, 20 people, 30 people, 50 people max that you deal with on an almost daily basis. I said, imagine if you could create a sense of belongingness with these people mm-hmm. where you stretch your hand first, you help yeah. them out sometimes, yeah. take a little bit of an interest, become friends with these people. I said, then you have a chance to spend more than half of your life with people yeah. and in a place where you feel nice, yeah. where you feel comfortable, where you can be yourself, where you feel at home, rather than all those eight, nine, ten hours struggling, maybe not feeling at ease at yeah. home and just waiting for your job to finish so that you can go home and spend time with your friends. I said, yeah. you have your social life, but imagine if you could feel so nice here at work. And I told them, I said, this is in your hands. Yeah, you know, the exactly. work anyway you have to do, but can we create that kind of environment? Yeah. And some of them got up and they really got it. And I said, this is such a nice idea. You know, it's, it's just about how you look at it. It's a shift. It's exactly. a different way of looking. And, and So uh, many people, they don't realize that in the end, it is in our benefit. If mm-hmm. you feel at home where you work, mm-hmm. if you feel at ease, it's not just nice for the company because you're more productive or whatever, but it's nice for you. Yeah. You know, you feel good. Yeah. And I think these are some of the things that, um, unfortunately, to a great extent, still are neglected in our current education system. You know, yeah. There's uh, the whole aspect. I mean, already now, if you look at the top companies and they say that emotional intelligence is one of the main skills mm-hmm. that you need. All the soft skills are some of the main skills that you need to be successful. Mm-hmm. They're talking about it already, but then before that trickles down yeah, to exactly. yeah. the mainstream uh, yeah. you know, world, take a long time. Yeah. That's why I still have a job. Yeah. <laughs> Almost. yeah. And yeah. I, I agree with you. It's really interesting. Uh, as you said, um, if, if I work with the management team or the CEO, uh, I use a different language. Uh, and that's what they ask you yeah. for. Uh, um, 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 if you compare it to the people that are on the floor. So yeah. a lot of times if we work with boards, um, I tend to ask them now a day to... Um, Tell me in, as we say in Dutch, Jip and Janneke taal, yeah. which means uh, kiss, keep it language, simple, yeah. com- common man's language. What is really the problem? Because if they can explain it in this language, yeah. in, a short, terms, yeah. Yeah, in a short way, everybody will understand. So even in communicating, there is sort of a structure where if you're higher up in an organization, you use different words you yeah, use yeah. different language the jargon yeah yeah and 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 you have meetings and you drink coffees and you have to discuss and and a lot of times the workers think what is going on over there yeah there's a big disconnect and yeah. there's a big disconnect and a lot of times 
And that's what struck me so well in, in, um, in your book and also the way you explain a lot of things. You bring both together. I do so my you, best. <laughs> yeah, you, so the language you use and everything you mention, even with examples, is very, and I don't mean it uh, negative, but yeah. actually positive, very simple. Yeah, relatable, yeah. But, but it's the key issue. Yeah, no, this is something that I also feel is, uh, and I've learned this from my master, that mm. uh, you don't need to use very complicated language yeah. to convey something very meaningful. Rather, actually, I would say this is the skill that uh, how to communicate it in a language that is easy to understand. Yeah. Because this is, it's also, it's a strange notion. I remember once I was asked to address a, a big crowd, a function. It was a local festival in India, in an interior area. This was in the state of Arunachal Pradesh. It's near the China border. Mm -hmm. And you have these indigenous tribes still there. And they had their tribal festival, one of these tribes. And I was invited to speak there. And thousands of people had gathered because it's their yearly main festival. And they had a few uh, eminent speakers. I was mm -hmm. one of them. One was a central government minister, uh, a few other people. And I remember the central government minister, he was from that state. Mm -hmm. And that's why they had invited him. Um, so he's a big shot, you know, mm -hmm. he rules the, the country uh, on that level. But then because he wanted to show that I'm very important, he gave a speech in English and the poor gentleman didn't speak proper English. Okay. Someone had written it for him, mm -mm. but because he doesn't know proper English, even when reading it out, he made all kinds of mistakes mm -hmm. that even for me, sometimes it was difficult to follow what he was saying. Yeah. And I was looking at the crowd and I thought, you know, these are your people. And most of them don't know English because for them, it's not even a second language. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. They have their local language and they have Hindi. And so they're looking at him. They don't understand the word, what he's saying. Yeah. I had difficulties. And it's like you're standing in front of your own people. They don't understand you. Yeah. You have difficulty. You're struggling. Yeah. He could have spoken in his own language. Everybody would have gotten it. Yeah. They would have felt a sense of belongingness yeah. also. But then we want to look important. Yeah. And then after that, I had to speak. And I could see the crowd already getting even more worried because, you know, this guy already, they didn't understand the word, what he was saying. Now there's a white guy. <laughs> Forget about it, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then I started speaking in Hindi. I don't know the local tribal language, but Hindi yeah. I've learned. I picked it up. And just a few uh, sentences into my, my speech there, my talk, I could see everybody lightening up, relaxing, because suddenly they knew what's going on. They could understand. And on top of that, they didn't expect it. So it was a bonus. But there was so much of a connect. Mm -hmm. And then you see people are really yeah. listening. Yeah. And so this is something that we have to understand we have to realize also that, you know, it doesn't have to be complicated or it doesn't no. have to be, uh, you know, being, well, simple is not the right word, but, but keeping it simple. Yeah. Being simple is different, but keeping it simple can also be sophisticated. Yeah. And it's more than that, it's much more effective. Yeah. And, and the uh, same way I've seen there are so many uh, different uh, management courses, yeah. trainings, um, you know, we have so many different types of coaches nowadays. But sometimes I've also seen that, again, it becomes so complicated while actually it's very simple. <laughs> yeah. If you go back to the source, to the yeah. root cause, then something as simple as attending to the way you breathe and learning a little bit more about how your mind works, how to manage it, how to manage your emotions. You don't need any complicated theories or models. It just, it puts you back in your 
Now, let's say happy space where yeah. your energy level is high. You're focused. You're enthusiastic. You're well rested. Yeah. And then many of these values, many of these qualities that we look for, whether it is being friendly, being empathic, having good focus, concentration, uh, being flexible, even mentally and emotionally, mm -mm. it comes naturally. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I also uh, saw the video of um, Sri Sri Ravi Shankar. I, I told you. Yeah. Um, and. And uh, there's another thing I saw from him, uh, Wisdom Pearls. And I, I want to quote it because it's, it's really, really nice. And it also resonated with me. It is, um, he said, head-to-head -head communication is in words. Heart-to-heart hmm. -heart is through feelings. And soul-to-soul -soul communication is silence. Yes. And uh, that really hit me um, because uh, if one of the um, sentences I use always is worldwide connection starts in silence. If we have children together from whatever language or, or uh, country, they will start playing with each other. Yeah. They don't need words. They don't need words. They don't need, and if there's a difference in language, they find hands, feet, uh, examples, and, and they find each other. Yeah. And a lot of times when I, have, when I work with different uh, cultures, we have to go back to that part. Yeah. And, um, and connect on a soul level, even in companies, if we, if, if we can manage to connect on a soul level, everything is possible. People understand each other without words. Yeah. And um, it really is fulfilling for a lot of people to connect in that way. It, you did it in, in one of your courses where you said, yeah. um, in silence, look at the other person. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's simple, simple processes that can show us that uh, it's really not so complicated. No. Uh, in, uh, in in ancient uh, ancient days in India, they had a practice where uh, the the village used to come together after a whole day's work, and for some time every evening they would sit together and they will they will sing, they will dance, they will meditate a little bit, and if there was any conflict, then they used to sort it out amongst themselves because yeah. those days you didn't have a, a court or a judge or a police or, but the beauty was that you see that even now in some places where this is still followed, mm -mm. you will find, and it's, it's quite rare because the world is changing quickly, but you see then that in that whole area, there are hardly any cases of crime yeah. or, or conflict. Or, because what happens, even if people during the day have, a, have an argument or have an issue, but then if for some time every day everybody comes together and they sing and dance and meditate and do those things together, it's like everybody gets aligned again, yeah. gets synchronized. You know, yeah. all the, on a subtle level, all those minds get synchronized. Yeah. And then there's really not so much of an issue. You know, there's nothing that you can't just talk about or you say, okay, never mind, you know. Yeah. And it's a shame that you see that so many times, because we have not learned how to really how this mind works and how to deal with it, that a friendship of 20 years can be spoiled by two weeks or two months of conflict, you know. Mm -hmm. Where something happened, you had an argument or something, you know, disagreement or someone did something bad. And then we're ready to sacrifice or give up those 20 years of, of good friendship just because right now there was an issue. Mm -hmm. And the same way you see, say, you see with companies where 
people may have not had so many bad experiences, but one thing is enough to to spoil it yeah. or uh, or between people yeah. in a company also. And then it becomes very difficult to manage you know? because when there is no feeling of mutual uh, respect or um, you know a sense of togetherness that okay even if we don't always agree but we're here for a bigger purpose you know we are part of a company we want to make something work yeah then it becomes very difficult and that is when you see that uh, it really becomes a struggle yeah and 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 this happens in companies it happens within governments yeah. it happens on everywhere on all levels politics exactly uh, um, two countries fighting with each other it, it all it, it if we look at it you can all narrow it down to um, the the yeah. the connection, lack of communication and yeah, connection yeah. and connection, yeah, 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 and, so. and that's why sometimes if you look at it from a bigger perspective, you look like my God, you know, it's so silly. You know? Yeah, people like what are we really fighting about or arguing about or even when it comes to uh, yeah, whether it is in families or between friends or yeah. between colleagues, it's so unnecessary many times it's it's so easy to avoid yeah just that if you have the tools that that's all yeah, yeah. and there are a lot of um, um patterns or structures or procedures that we've all built in our world yeah. which not always makes sense and but we've built the world that way or built a company that way and it it takes uh, it's hard for people to break them down again yeah no and but I think this is uh, always a little challenging that the world keeps changing, mm -hmm. you know, and we need to realize that uh, unless we change along with it, and the same goes for companies, mm -hmm. same goes for social structures, for customs, you know, then then it becomes a problem. Yeah. But why people tend to resist change is because they have started identifying so much with those practices or patterns or structures that they feel that, oh, but if this has to change or if this has to go, then what will be left yeah. you know, or what will happen to me? Yeah. You know, the same you see with old people. They may be living in a in a dump, in a, in a house that is leaking, that is falling apart. But I've personally seen instances where their children would say, come on, mom and dad, now this place is falling apart. We've mm -hmm. got you a much nicer place. It's safer. It's cleaner. It's yeah. bigger, whatever. And they refuse to leave yeah. because they got so used to it that they're afraid of change. They say, no, it doesn't matter. Even if I'm not comfortable, I prefer to be here. Yeah. And the same we've seen sometimes with companies where yeah. they say, we've done this for the last hundred years. We've come this far. Now we're not going to change. This yeah. is who we are. Yeah. And then you see that in a matter of few years nowadays, a company can go bankrupt yeah. or, or they're out because if you don't change with, with the world, yeah. some, like it becomes obsolete. Yeah. And True. that only happens... When we feel, oh, because this is my identity. So again, it's that bit what we also see with people where we start uh, identifying so much with our body or with our, our name or our profession or whatever it may be, that the moment something there changes or even may change, mm -hmm. even if it's not happening yet, it can really shake us. Yeah. And we saw this, I think, best example is during the pandemic yeah. where many more people became aware of the need to learn to meditate or to manage their mind also because many people got shaken because many of the structures or the things that they relied on for their sense of security or stability, be it their, their job or their, their own business 
or their health mm -hmm. or their social life, you know, going to the bar with your friends in the weekend, blow yeah. off some steam. Yeah. Suddenly it wasn't allowed. Mm -hmm. You couldn't meet your parents because it wasn't safe. Mm -hmm. Maybe you were always healthy, but suddenly you got worried. What if I get this virus? Will yeah. I be okay? Yeah. So these things started shaking. And when we identify so much with these things, that means we start shaking. Yeah. And you say, oh, but, but what will happen to me? Yeah. And if you know, if you've experienced not just as a concept, but if you've experienced that, oh no, but there is also a part of me that is different from all of these, that doesn't change. Yeah. Then what happens when that becomes your, your uh, what you rely on, mm -hmm. your anchor or mm -hmm. your point of, of stability, then even when these other things change, you don't get shaken. Yeah. And this is where really we also see the power of meditation, for example, because it allows us to, for a moment, consciously spend some time with or explore that part of us which is beyond the body, even beyond the mind, which is, is non-changing, the, yeah. the reference point. Because we all have a part of us that doesn't change. And of course, I've spoken about it in detail in my book also. But that can give such a great strength. And the same we see with some companies where they say, yes, no, we have our core values yeah. or we have our what we stand for. Yeah. And that will not change. But then how that translates into maybe our services or our products or even the role we play in society, yeah. that can change. Exactly. And when that, that flexibility is there, then you can see that companies can adapt much better. Uh, they can do, do much better. Yeah. <laughs> but for that, it's required that, okay, what is your, you can say your soul or your source or what is your key, uh, your key principle or yeah. your, your vision mm -hmm. and then go with that. And the same goes for people. Yeah. And we see that, when you can kindle that, then even within a company, if people have to suddenly take up a new role or they have to change because, let's be honest, for a company to be successful, it will have to keep changing. Exactly. And one of yeah. the biggest challenges is to get your people on board mm -hmm. that now you know this is what we have to do, but what if they are not ready to do it? Mm -hmm. They don't want it or yeah. they resist it or they... So how to get them into that space and the more you can kindle that, yeah. then you see that things become more effortless. You save a lot of time, energy, money, and it becomes more enjoyable. Yes. So instead of a problem, it becomes an adventure. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting to see how there's really not much of a difference in many ways between uh, the corporate world, you can say, or a company and life. You know, and people always think these are totally separate things. They're not. No, they're not. And it's the same with an entrepreneur. Exactly. It's a human and, and his mind is also making a success of his company, but can also be his pitfall. Exactly. And, and um, um, that brings me to your book, because also your book was, is written in a way where I really thought, yes, this can be read by anybody. And um, uh, what made you uh, write the book? What, what was the... Well, what is the purpose? To be very honest, mm -hmm. uh, I hadn't planned for it. Okay. <laughs> so I, I was already writing another book about, about my, my life journey mm -hmm. when I was approached by Penguin, the, mm -hmm. uh, the big publisher. And they had come across my website and they said, you know, to us, you seem to be the right person to write a book that can help people to uh, learn how to deal with a world that is changing even faster. Yeah. Uh, with every passing day, uh, which creates a lot of insecurity. Um, so how to deal with that? How to deal with that stress, that uncertainty? Uh, how to regain or, or maintain your centeredness? Mm. And at the same time, maybe introduce people to meditation in a way where it is 
accessible, mm-hmm. you know, that even a new person can take it up. And at the same time, also showing them that meditation is something, it's not just a mindfulness exercise. Mm-hmm. There is so much more to it, so much more behind it. Uh, so, yeah, from, from your experience and, and what you have learned, can you share that? I said, well, I'm happy to try. So I wrote something, they loved it. Uh, mm. The first draft became the final draft, which mm. is quite unique. That's uh, anybody perfect. who's written a book knows that that usually doesn't happen. Yeah. So they were really impressed. They were very happy. They published it. It uh, became a bestseller in India. It's now been translated into more than 10 languages already. Um, but for me, because this was just around the time the pandemic started, Mm-mm. so they reached out to me just before, but then it became all the more relevant. So to me, it was one more way where through which I could reach people uh, and hand them this, these very useful insights and uh, things I have learned and discovered over the last 20 years of my personal mm. practice, uh, you know, yeah. practicing these techniques, applying this knowledge, my last 15 years of teaching this, uh, because I saw that especially during the pandemic, people are struggling even more. Mm. So I was doing a lot of online programs, of course, but then you can only reach so many people at a time. Yeah. And I thought this is one more way for people to discover this, to uh, start experimenting with it, applying it in their life, and they could pick it up anywhere. You, know, you can buy a book in a train station, in the airport, in a bookshop. So you never know who's going to pick it up and who, again, they can pass it on to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's one more medium to, to reach it, but uh, it's been very encouraging to see the feedback where people yeah. literally, like you said, from all backgrounds, yeah. um, from different parts of the world and different parts of different stages of their own practice, yeah. people have given such uh, positive feedback where ranging from someone who may have been practicing meditation for 20 years, yes. who yeah. said this has really added a lot of depth and, and a new dimension to my practice. Or a person who is totally new who said, you know, you've made it so easy and I just had my first experience of meditation and I already feel much lighter or yeah. I'm sleeping better or I feel less stressed uh, to people who've just lost a child and said, you know, this has helped me to, to cope and to come back to my center and to pick life up again and, and move forward. So, uh, of course, that's a, a big compliment and I'm very grateful that yeah. it's able to help people. Yeah, and it, it, uh, to me it is... Uh a sort of universal language hmm. is what you, you that's and even in english um it it really resonates yeah yeah and i have one more um uh quote that i uh, and uh, something in the book that really struck me as well um uh which brings you really quickly to yourself and, and maybe you can explain a little bit more about it um It is, uh, I am nothing, I want nothing, and I don't have to do anything. Yeah, so these are the three principles that um, my master once taught us. He said these are the three golden rules uh, or principles for meditation. Mm -hmm. Um, He said because when you sit for meditation, for those few moments, Mm -hmm. if you're not able to really drop everything, Mm-hmm. let go of everything, then it becomes very difficult to go deep in meditation. And I think in this context, you know, even when we talk about whether it is work or family life, you know, our ability to, for a moment, drop all those labels or, or the different hats that we are wearing 
um, if you're not able to do that, mm. then life is going to be a mess. You know? yeah. Like someone may be a police officer, but when he comes home, he has to change his role. If mm -hmm. he's going to boss people around the house like a policeman, it's going to be a disaster. Yeah. You know? The same way when we're at work, if we're not able to drop all the other things, it's going to be difficult. Mm -hmm. And if we want to be able to also enjoy life, mm -hmm. if you want to maintain your energy level, then we need to be able to let go. You know? So we play our roles, but mm -hmm. if you want to be really good at it, you need to learn also how to step out of it again. And I think for many of us, this is a big challenge, especially nowadays, because yeah. with mobile phones and all of that, even before you sleep, you may still you know, send a message or check your email. Or, But then you find that people may be lying in bed and they're really tired. They had yeah. a long day and yet they're not able to sleep. You know, yeah. It takes time to fall asleep. And even then you have so many dreams. You don't wake up feeling rested because all these things going through your head because I still have to do this, call that yeah. guy, why didn't that person get back? Which is not useful. It's not helping you in any way. It's not adding to your productivity, rather the opposite. So here, meditation is also a conscious practice of these principles where you say, okay, for the next, whatever, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, let me consciously drop all of these things, all my identities, you know, whatever I am. It's like you've died. You know? yeah. So I am nothing. Yeah. Because if you're nothing, then all your chores at home have gone, your office work is gone, all your obligations, all your to-do list, everything is gone. Yeah. It's a big relief. Yeah. You know? And then you say, I want nothing. We may have so many desires, but right now I don't want anything. Yeah. And I don't have to do anything, whatever work, obligations. For some moment, really feeling that, that reminder itself over time becomes like a second nature where you're able to consciously drop everything for a moment and then you get a kind of rest that is even deeper than sleep. Yeah. That is what meditation is. So that doesn't mean we don't have to sleep, no, that also, but it can make up for the rest that we don't get at night and that we desperately need nowadays yeah. because we have so many impressions to deal with, so many things to do. Yeah. And that is when you, of course, your sleep also improves, no? but it's just, it's a whole different quality of a state of mind that we all knew as children, you know? It's, yeah. So it's nothing foreign. It's not that we, we have to learn it. It's rather that we have to uh, just get it back. Yeah, because we, as we a child, to, yeah. if you remember, yeah. you would go to bed and you're gone. Yeah. And you were totally gone yeah. and you wake up in the morning and you feel so fresh. You jump out of the bed and you yeah. say, oh, it's a new day. Let's go and play. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if yesterday someone took your toy, this and that. It's all out <laughs> yeah. of the window. Yeah. You don't even remember. You go yeah. and play with the same guy yeah. in the in the sand pit today also. Yeah. So you were so free. And it's because children still don't hold on to the past or worry about the future so much. There's yeah. so much in the present moment. So they can still fully let go. Yeah. Somewhere along the way, somehow, <laughs> we have started... Uh, not letting go of things. So rather than saying, okay, no, now everything is is finished. You say, no, this I still have to think about tomorrow. I don't want to forget, or this is important. And and then we start carrying that whole day in our head for the whole night also. Yeah. And that is when you become so tired. Yeah. And, <laughs> and heavy, then you get burned out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and so we so the challenge is that we bring people back. Yeah. So this uh these principles, it's it's all about the quality of dispassion, mm -hmm. uh, these three principles, because that's such an essential element 
if you want to really meditate deeply. And my master once beautifully said, he said, passion without dispassion leads to aggression or depression. And this is what we see. We're living in a, in a society and especially in a work culture also mm -hmm. where passion is really encouraged, mm -hmm. but to the extent that uh, we forget that sometimes you need to also be dispassionate. It's like you go to the gym. I think in my book also I've mentioned this example, but you can go to the gym, mm -hmm. but you cannot work out for 24 hours. So you can, you can work out really nicely for one or two hours and then you need to rest. Mm -hmm. And if you do that every day, then you can increase your stamina or you can lose your weight or build your muscles. But instead of two hours, if you say, I'm going to train for six hours mm -hmm. in one day, it's not going to give much of a result. It, it no. may lead to injury. Yeah. But you cannot say that, okay, 30 days of training for one hour every day can give the same result as for one in one time training 30 hours. Yeah. You can't because your muscles need rest to recuperate, to become stronger, to grow. In the same way, anybody would, would agree that if you have one hour of proper productivity and then you take a break and then you do another one hour tomorrow can give you much more than saying, I will yeah. do 10 hours now in one stretch and then next 10 days I don't do anything. Yeah, exactly. Because that rest that we get, if the rest is deeper, mm -hmm. we become more dynamic in our action. Yeah. If you have a good rest, you can do more work. Yeah. And in the same way that this passion will balance your passion, where you say, okay, yes, when you need to, you can be really passionate. You can be so dynamic, so motivated, but then you also need to switch off fully mm -hmm. and that will recharge you so that you can really work. So that recharging of the battery is what we are missing. Yeah. And that is when you see that people get burned out and they either become, like I said, either aggressive yeah. or depressed. Or depressed. And yeah. we see that in society now, most people are either depressed or aggressive. Yeah. And, 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 and Who is really happy? Yeah, and, and, and 10 years ago, 20 years ago, we never heard about burnout. So it's, yeah. it's part of this. So it's, it's, uh, a, it's a development where yeah. we are moving in one direction, but we need to adjust our course a little yeah. if we want to sustain it, because yeah. otherwise it's, it's not uh, sustainable. So we yeah. should have meditation in schools. I would say in today's society, Meditation is no longer a luxury, it's a necessity. Yeah. So ideally, yes, learn it in school. Otherwise, <laughs> learn it at work, but learn it somewhere yeah. for your own personal good as well as for the society at large. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've worked with students, um, student boards and, and student groups. And um, we also uh, introduced a little bit of meditation. And in the beginning, of course, they were like, well... I yeah. don't know what, what is this, this is, yeah. and uh, can we have a beer, and uh, why are we doing this? And then uh, they came back and said, thank you so much, my, my head feels empty. Yeah. Uh, I had 10,000 things in my head, and now I feel plain, or, or, yeah. or I feel space again. So um, in the meantime, when we work with students, we start with the meditation. Yeah, and and although some of them are really awkward, feeling awkward, they do uh, take the challenge and they do go through uh, a meditation. And a lot of them, they are happy uh, they've experienced it. Yeah, so I think that is the, the challenge, that on one hand we have to introduce it in a way 
where it's practical, you know, mm-hmm. because let's be honest, uh, nowadays there are so many things being offered in the name of meditation. I yeah. addressed this in my book as well. And some things, it's really airy-fairy, you know. Uh, so if, if someone comes and says, okay, now we're going to do something with chakras and colors and visualizations <laughs> yeah. and who knows what, yeah. some people, they don't know what to do with it. Some may even run away. Yeah. And if it doesn't have a proper foundation, then sometimes also it will not have the desired results. And you cannot blame people for thinking that, you know, this is not something I can work with. Yeah. But authentic meditation is such an effective tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, The same with yoga. You know, yoga therapeutically has so many benefits. But it doesn't mean if you go to a beer or a goat yoga class, you're Mm going to get all these benefits. So people do all kinds of things today. We have to get quality. But then it is very effective. And like you said, and again, I mentioned in the book as well, that we have never really learned how to really give deep rest to our mind, Mm -hmm. apart from sleep. And that is why most people are used to that, okay, if you've had a busy day, you have so much racing through your head, you want some time off. So then what you do, you have a beer mm-hmm. or yeah, you go for a drink or you watch a movie or you listen to some music or have some time with your friends. Basically, we're doing something that distracts us and for some time we yeah. don't have to feel that chaos in our head or yeah. all the things. But the problem is that it's not real rest because it doesn't leave you more energized. It just takes your mind of off your work yeah. and you put it in something else. Yeah. So as I mentioned in the book, it's a little bit like saying that the radio has been on all day and you're tired of listening to the radio after yeah. all these hours. So then instead of switching the radio off, you turn the TV on even louder so that for some time you don't hear the radio. Yeah. But then it doesn't really rest you. And I think this is beautiful what you explained because the moment people experience, and I've seen this many times as well, that it's actually possible within a short period of time to calm the mind and to yeah. feel much lighter and you don't have all these thoughts. Yeah. And they say, oh, this is wonderful. Yeah. And that is something that you don't get by watching a movie or by having a beer. Yeah. Because after that move your beer again, you're back to your usual mind. Yeah. Rather than actually giving it a break. And that is why when we learn how to really rest the mind, you see that it's not just that you feel better, but our mind itself, which is normally so overused and underutilized, mm-hmm. uh, becomes a much better tool because yeah. your your uh, your focus and concentration increases, mm-hmm. your memory improves, mm-hmm. you know, your uh, overall, uh, like I said, your perception, observation, your communication, all these things start improving because it finally got some rest. Yeah. And... Uh, It's a shame that, like I said, we see that in top institutions, these practices have already been introduced. Like our programs for students, we have a special program for students, are already running in the campuses of universities like Stanford, Harvard, you know, for years now. And they even get credit for it Mm -hmm. when they attend these programs. While if you go to a regular school, you have to fight to even get a, (laughs) you know, an appointment with the principal to even discuss the possibility of maybe doing an introductory session. Yeah which somewhere I feel is not fair because why should only the top institutions or the students studying there get access to that? But it just shows that uh, because they're always looking for the best Mm -hmm. and that they may have the bandwidth to do that, that they're usually the ones to pick it up first. Um, So I keep telling people, I said, no, why wait for it to trickle down all the way? It's it's shown that it works. Otherwise, these guys would not be using it. So be smart. 
because you can save people so much of trouble. Yeah, yeah, and and there are a lot of students in trouble uh, even after Corona. Yeah, um, it's it's, a, it's sad. It is really sad. Um, so this could be a tool to uh, come back to yourself more. Um, I, I also want to um, um, quote one more um, um, saying or, or, or uh, words of Shishi Ravi Shankar, because I also looked at his movie. Um, and he said that um, uh, div- we need to accept diversity in the world. If we accept any diversity, there is no war. We're all united, we're all human, and you and I are connected because we're human. And I thought this is so powerful because um, even in companies, even in governments, even in families, if we all accept each other the way we are, there is no need for war or anything of quarrel because you accept that somebody's different than you are and I'm different than you are and it's okay. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the main, you can say, precepts of the, or, or principles of the art of living uh, that we also work for, is to mm. also create that harmony and diversity. Mm. So in society, this is one of the five pillars that mm-hmm. we say to to create a, a peaceful and prosperous society. And we've seen time and again that, like you said, when you're able to kindle that, mm-hmm. no, it's about people realizing that, yes, being different, it's is not a bad thing. Like mm-hmm. you know, uh, sometimes people say, "Oh, you know, they have, they may not feel so comfortable with another culture or something." Or, but at the same time, we are happy taking food from all over the world. We have clothes from all music. Yeah. We have so many things from all over the world. The only thing sometimes with wisdom, we have an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, someone believes something different that oh, you know, that, that can't be or that's wrong or only this is right. Anyway, it's very silly. You know? Yeah, if we had to eat potato every day. We would get so bored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, honestly, however tasty potato may be, mm-hmm. you'll get bored. So it's really nice that we have so many different type of vegetables. In the same way, imagine if in the world there is only one type of uh, culture or religion or or philosophy. Yeah, it would be so boring, yeah. you know. And it's not even a solution because sometimes people, you know, if we see uh, in some part of the world, still we may have. Uh, like a kind of fanaticism, for example, from a religious angle, mm-hmm. where people say only only one, only my religion is right. Yeah. But then we've seen over the centuries, if we learn from history, that even having one religion is not a solution. Because if you look at Buddhism now, there are so many schools of Buddhism. Yeah. There was one Buddha, you know. Yeah. If you look at Christianity, there was one Christ. Yeah. We have so many different types of Christianity, and yeah. doesn't mean they all get along. You know, no. <laughs> With, within Islam, you have different uh, streams and sections. So. In the same way, we have to realize and understand that the problem is people. <laughs> because whether it is religions or soccer teams, if people mm-hmm. say, no, mine is better than yours, <laughs> yeah. and because you're saying that yeah. whatever Manchester United is yeah. are losers, yeah. the soccer players are not going to mind. But yeah. the supporters say, if you're saying Manchester are losers, yeah. and I'm a Manchester supporter, indirectly say, you're saying that I'm a loser. And I'm not a loser. I'll show you. Yeah. And then they fight. Yeah. You know? And the same can happen between neighbors, can happen between family members. Yeah. And that is why in our Art of Living programs, as you know, because Mm-mm. you had a chance to experience one of these main principles is to realize that accepting people and situations as yeah. they are is so essential because 
when we accept, it's not for the other person. It is for our sake. Mm -hmm. you know, our mind becomes peaceful. Yeah. And yeah, that is why these, these principles, like you said, it's, it's relevant in all spheres of life, including mm -hmm. the corporate world or governments or society or families. Yeah. Yeah. And that, uh, that will help to bring peace and to keep peace. And um, so that's, it's really interesting. I'm really happy that you're here and explain so many of, uh, of all the wisdoms and insights that, uh, that you have. And I wonder, I don't know, uh, unless you want to add something, if we have a chance of you doing a small meditation. Yeah, if we have the time, we can do a, a short meditation. Yeah. Um, I think we've covered so many things, so no need to add anything. On one hand, of course, this is something that we can talk about for days. Yes. There is so much to explore. But yeah. like you said also earlier, you know, words also have a limitation. So only so much can be communicated through words. Uh, so maybe yeah, it's nice to also have a, a moment of communication that is beyond the words. Mm -hmm. uh, so if people would like, we can do a short, I can do a short guided meditation where... Um, yeah, people can get a glimpse, maybe yeah. a small taste of of what it's like. Yeah. Uh, so for those of us who are who the people that may be listening or watching, um, if you can take a moment and uh, yeah, preferably have a place where you're not too much disturbed, then uh, we can do a short guided meditation, and with that we can complete the. Yeah. So people can sit comfortably and easily. Um, you don't need to sit on the floor necessarily or cross your legs, but just find a position that you know you can sit in for some time, maybe 10 minutes or so, without having to change your posture. Mm -hmm. Because when the body is not comfortable, it's difficult to, uh, for the mind also to settle down. So we can sit comfortably and easily. And then you may close your eyes. You can keep your hands on your knees or in your lap maybe with the palms facing up. And let us remember that meditation is the art of doing nothing. It is the art of letting go. We don't need to concentrate, visualize or imagine anything. No need to put any effort. We are going to relax and relaxation only happens when it is effortless. So when you're sitting comfortably with the eyes closed and the hands relaxed, you may take a normal deep breath in and slowly breathe out. Once more, breathe in. And breathe out. Now breathe in with a smile. And breathe out with a smile. And continue taking some normal, gentle breaths in and out without putting any effort.
The incoming breath energizes the body and the outgoing breath relaxes the body. Become aware of this phenomenon that is happening all the time. Once more, breathe in. And breathing out, relax your neck and shoulders. Relax your face. Relax your hands. And with the next exhalation, Relax the whole body. Once more, breathe in. Breathing out, relax more and more. For a moment, keep your body totally still. Like a stone or a statue. Even if you feel like moving some part of the body, resist. Just bear with it for some time. You are totally still. The only thing that is moving is the breath which is moving in and out of the body on its own, effortlessly. The rest of the body is totally still and immobile.
notice that when the body is still, the mind also starts to settle down on its own. Effortlessly. And as the mind settles down more and more, you may feel that it almost feels like it expands in all directions, becoming bigger and bigger. as if your mind is expanding in all directions until it fills the room that you are sitting in. And even goes beyond that. Becoming bigger and bigger. No need to do anything. Let go of all effort and relax more and more. Once more, breathe in and breathe out. Become aware of your thoughts. Whether good thoughts or bad thoughts, do not resist. Just let them come and go on their own. They leave you untouched. Accept all the thoughts and let go. Relax more and more.
this moment, just feel that you are nothing. You want nothing. And right now, for the next few minutes, you don't need to do anything. As if you have stopped existing and the world has stopped existing. There is nothing to do, nothing more to achieve, and nothing to know. Let go of all effort and relax in this moment. Once more, breathe in and slowly breathe out. Become aware of your body and the surroundings. If you wish, you can slowly move your fingers a little and then once more you may breathe in and slowly out. And then very slowly and gradually taking your own time whenever you feel complete. you may open your eyes again.
Wonderful. So I hope that this way also people had a small taste of meditation. Of course, um, they're most welcome to mm-hmm. check out my book, mm-hmm. Looking Inward. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have it as well the English version. Yes, uh, yeah, the English and the Dutch. And yeah. the Dutch, yeah. Yes. Vind je innerlijke kracht. And, um, and they can find you at your website, I think. Yes, yes, of course, they have to figure out how to spell my name. Yes. But yes, maybe in the description <laughs> yeah. they can find yeah, Swami Purna Chaitanya. Yeah. But then, uh, or they can find me on Instagram or, yeah. or YouTube yeah. or somewhere. Yeah. And um, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. For sharing all your wisdom and your insights, all very simple and very effective. So I'm really happy that um, I have felt the energy from soul to soul. And that really makes me happy. And that was the purpose for me. And I hope with this, uh, other people can feel it as well. It's so, wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you.